Hello mercenaries, this is Carolyn and you are listening to Merc News. Last week, the clans seemed to be pushing in without anything stopping them, but it seems the factions of the Inner Sphere have finally united to form a counter-offensive against the clan invasion. After a handful of battle mechs from Clan Ghost Bear randomly attacked Clan Wolf, skirmishes broke out between the two powerful clans for a short time, forcing them to spread their soldiers across multiple fronts. Rumors hinted that small mercenary units had taken up arms to rebel from within the clans, but Clan Wolf commanders blamed these attacks on unruly Comstar irregulars, who had been residing with Clan Ghost Bear at the time. Other reports state the Bear Warrior Merc group may have initiated the attack on Clan Wolf, attacking Wolf outposts and sabotaging energy plants while posing as Clan Ghost Bear. The event is still shrouded in rumor. A strange holovid was intercepted from an unknown source, the message warned the clans that they would pay for their actions, it confirmed that insurgents were indeed behind clan boundaries, it also demanded that units of the inner sphere attack the clans stating that now was the time to strike, the Comstar irregulars in Merkstar Alliance then covertly left clan Ghost Bear to assist House Steiner and attack Wolf and Jade Falcon from another front, life was suddenly brought back to House Steiner and they were able to begin their counter-attack. Units from across the Inner Sphere then united in a single coordinated effort to push back the clan forces, soldiers and elite mech warriors from Comstar Irregulars, Merkstar Alliance, Phoenix Legion, QQ, 228th IBR, 12th Donegal Guards, Black Star Alliance, Sky Rangers of Terra, Carrion Crows, Oceanic Merc Corp, and many more unnamed heroes moved to the clan front to push them back. Their battles were bloody and led to countless losses. However, this surprise attack was well-timed and shook the clans off-guard. Clan progress was slowed and even pushed back. Reports from the front lines state that there is little they can do to reverse the destruction war has caused on these innocent planets. Nevertheless, clans Ghost Bear, Jade Falcon, and Wolf have lost ground, but clan Smoke Jaguar continues to push far into Kirita territory while the other clans are held back by Steiner and FRR. Communications on the capital planet of the FRR have been re-established. The FRR have offered mercenaries double the pay of their normal contracts, requesting aid. Some wonder how long the FRR can keep up such a payment and if it will be enough to keep these mercenary units willing to sacrifice their soldiers against the clan invasion, but for the time being, the offer still stands and any mercs who haven't taken the offer are missing out. In other news, the Avian seems to have lost momentum and is being invaded on every front. The forces of the Federated Suns struggle to hold back so many attacks without the help of some of their units who left to fight against the clans. Join us next week and keep up to date on all things in the Inner Sphere and Merc status. My name is Carolyn and this has been Merc News. Merc News is a Beer Warriors production. Check them out at beerwarriors.net. This episode is brought to you by the Aces Mercenary Unit. From casual pug groups to full 12-man community warfare drops, Aces may have what you're looking for. For more information or just to say hi, visit aces-hq.com or drop in on their channel on the NGNG Outreach TeamSpeak 3 server today. If your unit would like to sponsor a podcast, contact me at bombadil at nogutsnogalaxy.net. No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned.
are listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast 128. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is January 7, 2015. Holy crap, another year. Anyways, just want to do a quick shout out to everyone for our, your support last year, 2014. Awesome year, but I will say I'm so looking forward to 2015. And I'm joined by Darren and today's co-host, Brendan Tyler. What's going on, Darren? Hey, um, yes, I feel the same way. 2014 was an amazing year for MWO, especially the second half, but uh, a great year. And I'm same as you, man. Based on what we got over the last month or two, cannot wait to see what happens in 2015. Did you have a... Uh... New Year's resolution. Play more MechWarrior Online. Uh, no, you know, I don't do resolutions uh, because it's just, it's lying to yourself. So what's the point? Are you, are you saying you're a hipster? Is that is that what you are? No, I'm saying I'm a hypocrite or something. I don't know. I just, I, I, there's never been a New Year's resolution I can think of that's gone past a month or two or whatever, you know? Why, why oh, Jaren, you... I never realized that you're a hippogriff. I am a hippogriff. <laughs> Speaking of what's, what's going on, uh, Brandon, how are you? Doing pretty good. I got soup. It's cold out, and I'm happy. Somewhat. Why, why are you happy? Because you got soup? or Because I got soup, but I'm also not happy at the same time, because I went to make grilled cheese with my tomato soup, and then I realized I didn't have any cheese, so I just have toast. You have so much cheese. <laughs> All right, how about you, Tyler? How are you doing, man? Doing good. School is over. I'm going to have to Yay! start looking for a job or something. Is that what you do? What you you have to pretend yeah. to be an adult. You like gotta, Phil and I know. The real world. It's like, uh, so now that you've completed college, uh, you severed to the military, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. Work. Slave. Get. Uh, no. Don't do it, man. Fight against the system. Don't be behind a desk. Fight the system. Believe Congratulations, me. Tyler. That's awesome, man. Don't, don't, don't you congratulate him. Don't. Congratulations. Don't. Congratulations. Um, I was going to so, say, masters. So, go for your masters. Stay in college, man. Stay just, in just school as long as you can. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, uh, Farrick said, uh, as far as New Year's re- resolutions, learn to play tabletop or play more tabletop. I would like to say there is an opportunity, possibly, Phil, that you and I are going to be playing some tabletop together this year. We're not going to say any more about that, but I think it's going to happen. Oh, shit. It's happening. Yep. All right, guys, it has been a few, I would say, weeks. Uh, actually, I think it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been a few weeks since the last podcast. So uh, I, I do want to just sort of sit back and, and reflect really quick and just go ahead and say, you know, thank you so much for your support. Uh, the podcast, the comics, everything, YouTube support, Twitter, Facebook, uh, your guys' interaction every day has been just phenomenal. It's it's really crazy seeing, like, uh, NGNG TV on Twitch, uh, you know, all of our streamers, all the work, everything. You guys make this job. I guess that's what it is. It, hobby, whatever whatever you want to call this. This this life that 
uh, you know, me and Darren and others are able to lead. And I just want to say thank you so much for all that, because without you, we are literally nothing. We're nothing. And, uh, it, it's no, it's nice to know that uh, there are other people. Uh, yeah. So we love our you. hobby jobs. Yeah. Thank you. Hobby. Jo- I, ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. So um, lots of stuff have been going down. Last time we recorded the podcast, which, by the way, the last episode is that 127 just sort of um, was forgotten, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I, I usually bug All the holiday mishmash. Dude, yeah. And you guys know I bug the crap out of Darren about the podcast, and he gets mad, but whatever. And then we do like a We Want the Podcast thing on Twitch. And uh, no, no one even asked, hey, dude, where's the podcast? Totally forgot. Um, it's out. And it's funny because we sort of speculated about Community Warfare, and that went live um, a few weeks prior to the holiday. And uh, so anyways, it's here. And you guys, specifically uh, Tyler, Brandon, and Darren, have had a lot of Community Warfare experience so far because that's what you guys have been doing. So I want to get your guys' feedback. I've played a few uh, few rounds here or there, but not as extensive as you guys. So you guys are going to be the experts here. So let's go dive in and talk about... Um, one, I just want to say it came out super excited. Um, one of my favorite features is the Leopard dropships coming down. I think that's just... It's, it's sex. It's awesome. It's amazing. And I would love to see like a Union or like an Overlord come down and just... Ah. But anyways... Hey, I, real quick, I, I do want to reiterate. Um, first of all, if you haven't seen the, the dropships, uh, check out the MechWarrior Online YouTube channel. The latest uh, weekend update has a nice, quick, uh, you know, peek at the the dropships. I do agree that is one of the best things about Community Warfare. But one of my favorite things about Community Warfare: no more freaking comments from people when you say, "Hey, check out this new mech," and they go, "Where's Community Warfare?" Never again. I see what you did there. Yes. So let's let's go dive in. First off, um, lots of things to be discussed: uh, balance, strategies, tactics, uh, just the whole shebang of community warfare that's already going on. Propaganda wars, which I think is great. Um, clan perspective. Uh, I think the best thing to do is ask the expert because you've been playing a lot of clans because of your contracts. SJR has been doing uh, Smoke Jaguar. You guys went to Jade Falcon for a bit. So Tyler clan perspective um what's community warfare like uh there's a lot of long-range play but that goes for both sides but it comes down to uh you uh on the cold map at least the boreal vault you want laser vomit you want sustain lasers have no ammo as we all know and that lets you keep your mech on the field for a very very long time and the clan er weapons er lasers really help and give you an advantage over the industry mechs now, are you are you finding a huge disproportionate like win loss ratio playing the clan? I mean, like, um, have you run into any snags of the, you know are the clans OP is what everyone said they were? Are they, do they remain top dog? What's what's going on with that? Well, I've my time so far between community warfare has been split pretty evenly. Like you said, we first went Smoke Jaguar and then Jade Falcon, and then we spent the last two weeks as uh, Leao and Rasahog. So. My time has been pretty evenly split, and I still can say that the clans, yes, are OP. The The laser vomits is just still so strong. Clans streak six boats, just stop light rushes in their tracks. Uh, clans are still devastating. I, I, I went cold turkey for the last two weeks off of uh, clan mechs, and just trying to get as far away from the clan feeling as possible, so when I jump back in a clan mech, 
I would have a new, like as fresh a feeling as possible. And the first thing I did, I jumped back into a Hellbringer last night, and I was moving 89.1 kph. I had four ER large lasers. I was nailing people with that at extreme ranges and cooling more rapidly than any IS mech can cool. And it just, yes, it, the, the clan mechs still are OP. Now, uh, Tyler, there's a, I don't know if you've been watching. I'm sure you have seen the discussion. There's a lot of people that play clans that say the Inner Sphere are OPs, and specifically certain mechs that we'll get to later. What do you say to that? Because I'm, I'm finding people that play clans say IS is OP, and people who play Inner Sphere say clans are OP. What do you think? To that. I think I think the mechs in question usually have a niche role that they need to be able to get into their ideal situation in order to use. The the main culprits these days are the Thunderbolt 9S and the Thunderbolt 5SS. The Thunderbolt 9S, I have not read the forum post, but I've been directed to many, many forum posts where people are complaining about how powerful it is. And those are PPCs like they used to be. That's And I have no problem with the 9S being strong. It takes skill to land a PPC shot. To land a laser vomit shot, washing uh, 40-plus point alphas all over the enemy mech, that takes almost nothing. You just need a point and click and kind of hold your aim steady. You need to lead targets, especially at extreme range with the Thunderbolt 9S, so that's totally fine with me. But the other thing is, you can still, because it's a projectile weapon, you can still get your laser vomit on and shield and dodge away from a PPC shot in time to, to not have it do any damage to you. So the Thunderbolt 9S is both weaker than laser vomit max and it's yeah it's more it's easier to avoid it's easier to deal with it's either easier to trade with so yes there are some strong industry mechs and the quirks did go a long way to helping the inner sphere become even more uh, to, to kind of catch up to the clans and in some and uh quite a few inner sphere mechs have replaced some clan mechs there's some really weak clan mechs as we know miss links ice ferret etc now you were bringing up the the light rush and that you can pretty much field a bunch of storm crows with streaks i i would imagine have you seen a light rush that could get past you well the lights the lights always get a little bit in but they're almost i mean if you're if you have an organized force let's say this and this is another thing that's is uh that's from my perspective i usually play with at least one other person if not more so there's always someone that I can fall back on and say, there's a light rush coming. You see them coming over the walls. You can get in your streak mech real quick if your mechs already damaged you eject or something like that. And that can win games. Just one streak mech against a light rush can turn the tide. So coordination, of course, is important. Player skill is incredibly important. Uh, but these mechs also give whoever is piloting them an inherent advantage because of, you know, heat sinks are uh, two slots. Uh, Weapons cost are way less, and you know, fire bore missiles at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Sorry, just real quick, Phil. Um, one thing I would like to point out before we continue, because there's going to be a lot of this, uh, different uh, opinions and so forth. There's a lot of different perspectives, and everybody has to remember what is your perspective. There's people that play solo drops in community warfare. There's people that group with two to four people in community warfare. There's people that group with eight people. There's people that group with full 12 mans on a regular basis. Each one of those people is going to have an entirely different perspective. And then you throw Inner Sphere Clan or 
you know, switching different factions or whatever from faction to faction, it can be a different experience. So there's a lot of different experiences. And what Phil and I have been having is people coming to us and saying, community warfare sucks because of this. And you, you start talking to them and you find out what their perspective is. Or people come, it's the best thing that's been ever, ever been added to the game. You know, I, I can't stop playing. I'm addicted. I'm only getting four hours of sleep. You have so many different perspectives of it. And, and I just want to encourage people to try and get out there and experience some of the different modes or whatever grouping up if you're not because uh, that will definitely change your perspective my perspective for example has been only 12 mans um, and I've pretty much been doing it non-stop since the game uh, since Community Warfare has come out and I love it I have you know there are some obvious complaints or issues but that's just because it's uh, Community Warfare beta but anyway different perspectives different viewpoints now Brian I mean speaking of the clan perspective Aya's perspective it goes both ways. I mean, I remember I dropped with aces, uh, you know, straight off the bat, and all we saw was storm crows and timberwolves. Uh, uh, pretty much. I mean, that's what it was. Three storm crows and a timberwolf is, you know, usually what you see. How has you know your experience been been on the receiving end of that? Um, whether it's against an organized or non-organized group. Well, on the receiving end, it's not as bad. Well. For me, personally, I don't find it that bad. It is a tough fight, but I find a little bit more fun in that. Um, especially if you organize your drop deck. So when we when we and Aces go against the clans, when we decide to move up and defend against the clans and the clanners, we organize our drop decks to accompany for that. So it, we do strip down out of the PPCs and stuff like that and go for more laser vomit and rush tactics to try to either get through quicker or draw out the fight and that sort of thing and just waste and stall time. But yeah, no, the Stormcrows and Timberwolves do just beat shit out of Inner Sphere stuff, uh, especially on the maps currently. Um, and I guess you just gotta kind of compensate for that and just accept it. Yeah, now, to be honest though, we don't go up against clans very often. Uh, Aces have been doing a lot of Inner Sphere versus Inner Sphere. Now, but that being said, we have because we've wanted a challenge we've wanted to do something different gone up against clans and yeah we completely change our drop deck um you know S storm crows with uh, streaks you get uh six spider 5ds with ecm in there and if they're not uh using everything to their advantage like uavs and or whatever else baps um then you could maybe get past and the, and the light rush will work so there's, it's fun that's one of the best things to me is just learning how to manipulate the drop deck based on who you're facing and and it's also very frustrating you get that minute and you realize we're defending and we're not attacking and you have to switch out your drop deck um but it you know that's part of it it's it's some in some cases it's rock paper scissors in some cases it's how you know well organized you are and how much uh you know prep time you've had or whatever and depending on what's also going on at the border sometimes we go in there just to stall other teams as well so like a big example would be when lords i think was going as falcon we would try to group up with them as much as possible and then draw it out for the entire match length so they couldn't drop as a We knew we weren't going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We would go in and drop, stall them for the entire game length so that they couldn't drop against other people. And that's because that a lot. you guys had two groups going and then plus the other groups, so, and they only yeah. had one. So, yep. yeah, okay. Now, speaking of you know skill levels, uh, one thing to point out, um, Tyler, I was asking you, I believe, uh, two nights ago, and it, it revolved around... You know, our clan's OP or is ISOP, you know, because of that discussion that was going on? And you said neither. It's teamwork is OP. Um, uh, can you talk about your experiences with that so far? I mean, you, you've dropped, you know, solo in Community Warfare all the way up to 12 mans. Um, IS or 
clan. What's the determining factor there? Well, yeah, being able to, say, coordinate your group to get uh, to mechs to cover all your bases, to quickly respond to whatever tactics your enemy are doing, to be able to send people up the, ra- the, the lanes when you're on defense to scout ahead to see what's coming. It's all really important to stay in touch with your teammates. And you can coordinate quickly, get people in a firing line, get people in the best defensive positions, push coordinated out and surprise the enemy and push them back down their lanes. It, it, of course, like everything in Mechor Online and in every team game, game, things work better when you're coordinated. And so your team's going to be much stronger if you're on comms together and know what you're doing. And I would go a little bit further, and I would even say the community warfare is about teams. If you're not running a full 12-man, you're absolutely at a disadvantage. And I feel like that's what it's made for. It's made for 12-mans. He's completely right. It's completely op when you're going up against non-12 mans um but that's you know like again drawing from previous experience world of tanks that's what it was all about it wasn't about in world of tanks you can't drop it as a solo player or a small group it's either a full team or you're not playing clan wars well i, I kind could, of feel- could i argue that could i sure. say i think there is a place for so oh, oh well, you didn't let me I like finish. i think you didn't let me finish so let me finish and then you, you can re- rebut it um, I'm not saying, obviously this isn't World of Tanks, and obviously there's going to be a place for solo players in small groups. I just think you're going to maximize your experience if you go in a 12-man. If you go in less than a 12-man, you're, you're more likely to have frustrating experiences like I've been seeing some people have. That being said, there's things that are coming that are going to make the solo or small group experience better, like faction grouping instead of just unit-only grouping and some other things. But I just think it is made for 12 mans and if you're doing anything less you're you're kind of taking away from what i view as the ultimate experience as community warfare well so i'm gonna i'm gonna go on the other side and say i think there's a place for solo players in small groups and i think what it is is it's the mentality that if you don't win you're losing but brennan you just brought up a fucking key point which is this isn't just win or losing one battle guys this is hey, we just tied, even if it's solo players or hodgepodge group of players, and you just dropped and you're finding a, a clan or an ice unit that's top-notch, guess what? You're holding them there for at least, you know, at probably, what, 15, 20 minutes? Somewhere Sometimes there, 30. If, right? 30, the full 30. 30. Always try to go for 30. So that's go what I'm saying is, is it something to be said of people who drop in community warfare, especially solo or small groups, have to also have the mentality of, they are cannon fodder, and most of the time they will be cannon fodder, but they are needed cannon fodder. I mean, like, that's just the way it is. I mean, uh, Tyler, you guys were running into the issue at Smoke Jag, weren't you? That there was just, you just didn't have anybody else in Smoke Jag at the time, was it not? Like, you didn't have any other small groups or a bunch of pugs to fill the gaps, and so you guys were losing uh, territories just because there was really no one to fill them right well yeah it was more that we weren't able to take territories because intersphere could dump so many more players on a planet than smoke jaguar had population at the time so the battle for turtle bay lasted for days and days and and during that time we never lost a single drop so that's that's the problem right there but uh like you guys said that that's a tactic that many many teams are using right now to hold the competitive teams in a game for the full 30 minutes if possible so they can't be out winning games in attacks in five minutes 10 minutes or defenses in 15 minutes uh which 
brings me to another point. Would you guys be okay with there being an objective for the defenders to end the game early besides just destroying all of the attackers? That, yes. Is that okay to go off on a tangent? Like have <laughs> have some kind of objective out there, like a Union-class dropship hanging out in the defenders, uh, the, the attacker's drop zone that the attackers or defenders could kill to end the game early, if possible? As long as it's damn hard, like a Union-class dropship with Gauss rifles. No, but I yes, I think that that is an interesting idea. You brought that up uh, before we started recording the podcast today. Um, I would definitely be comfortable with you know looking into it, for sure. Well, I think it's tough because uh, what we're getting into, obviously, when we can get to the tactics and strategies, but I think you know everyone who's been involved realizes you're going to get teams that drop you know a mixed match of, of individuals, sometimes all solo players, against comp teams. And it's going to be a steamroll, whether it's clan or IS, it's going to be a steamroll. Now, the question is, and I've already seen a few people ask in chat and on, on um, live audiences, should there be solo or su- should we cater to the smaller groups of community warfare? And I think this is a tough question because a part of me says no. Like this is, as soon as you take solo players out of the, the well, one, you ha- you need them. Like there, there's not a an if. You have to have solo players to be able to fill the gaps, right? Yeah, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. But I do think the faction thing will help being able to just drop with any faction as long as they're with you. Um, but should community warfare cater to the individuals? I mean, isn't that what solo group play is in the public queue? Like this is this is for territory. This is for the cookies. This is for <laughs> wait a second. Right? You were just rebutting my statement that said it was you know that community warfare was all about twelve mans. Now you're saying that you think there may may not be a place for solo players. Is that what you're saying? No, what I'm saying is, should the game cater? Mm-hmm. Cater to. to. And no, I'm not I... saying that they don't have their role, but some people don't like to swallow that big pill of saying, guess what? The game's meant to be a team game and group up yeah. or nut up or shut up. You know, like that's. Well, that's I already the think that this goes above and beyond other like minded games in that it does allow solo players and small groups into essentially you know, their group warfare, community warfare. Um, so I think we're already catering it to, to an extent. I think it always should be built around the 12 man, the full groups, the organize, organized team play. However, I think whenever we can do things um, to help the people that are running the solo players or small groups, totally coming up faction based instead of unit based group, huge advantage. That's going to make a big difference because there's so many people that just aren't getting in queues fast. That's going to increase, you know, or decrease queue times because uh, more people will be viable and be, will be playing. Also, um, you know, as soon as the command wheel comes in, that's going to be a huge asset to the uh, to the pugs. So I think there's things that can be brought in that will be brought in soon. They're going to help. But I, to me, again, I'm always going to go back to community warfare really is about the 12 men. So let's go ahead and dive into a few of the, the strategies and tactics used because I, I've seen a shift in basically, one, when it first came out, a lot of units were just having fun and people were having fun and it was what it was. I mean, I dropped in a solo match, by the way, and organized some solo players and I had one of the most epic 25 kill, 1.4 million T-bills, like stupid. It was just fun though, but it was against, you know, I was an IS pilot against Climax. It just sort of fell upon me. Ever since then, everything's changed though. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about tactics. Uh, brawl versus range and attack, defense, depending on the map. Like when you're on Boral Vault, oh, Boreal, is it Boreal? Boral, Boral. Hoth, Hoth works. Hoth, Hoth. Okay, if you're on Hoth, 
Uh, no, but what are you guys using, uh, Brandon? Uh, you know, as far as you're playing IS, what is your normal drop deck? Um, are you going for range at first? Do you have a combination of range, speed? What What is your drop deck for uh, aces look like? Shh, it's a secret. No, um, tell him the usually, fake deck. Yeah, I'll tell him the fake one. Um, it depends on who's leading the drops and if we're attacking, defending, um, and who we're going up against. Uh, yeah, that as well is a big one. But um, right now we've been dropping two light mechs and two assault mechs um, for defense. And for the first two waves, we jump the walls on Boreal. Leg mm, you the meant enemy, for jump you meant back for over the walls. Yep. And uh, then when they run out of their first drop, thunderbolts and stuff like that, we um, drop in our assaults. And when they come and try to rush us, we just wreck them. Yes, you see a lot of Thunderbolts. You see both the 5SS. Uh, we love our Thunderwubs. And you see the 9S. Mostly, though, I would say, well, some of our 9S are ER peeps, and some of them are actually ER large, which works uh, really well in the, the 9S as well, especially like uh, Jaeger pointed out earlier. Uh, if you're doing the PPCs, you have to hit, and sometimes it's difficult to hit moving targets. So uh, we have a lot of people using those. The Shadowhawk 2K with ER large. Um, we got some stalker four ends with ER large, a lot of ER large. So we do uh, run a bit of a range game, but uh, you know, and then we have our light rushes from time to time as well. Okay, I got a question for you, Tyler. Um, and this sort of revolves around this whole thing. Do the maps, and be- or because of the maps, does it does it change how you guys do your drop decks? Like, I mean, are you basically just always taking laser vomit, or you know, is it? How, how do the maps affect your drop decks, I guess, for clans? For clans, very little, actually. The only difference I've been taking in my drop decks is on Sulfur. It's a hotter map. I end up taking a Ballistic Direwolf because you can you know, do sustained fire with low heat from those things. And on Boreal Vault, it's almost all laser vomit. Always make sure to bring a Streak mech just in case of light mechs, and it's nice to have... Uh, during a wave, there's always seems to be a time when the enemy team busts out their light mechs, and that's good to have around. Uh, but otherwise, the decks change very little, and it's your, our tactics have not been jump jet dependent. We I've actually been taking almost no jump jet mechs in my deck, which is very surprising. It's mostly because the Stormcrow, Mad Dog, uh, the Hellbringer is such a powerful combo. I wonder if that will be different uh, with the Canyon Network-based map coming out if jump jets will become more essential. Yeah. And it's nice that you get a minute to change around your drop deck before you move in. But it would be nice to know <laughs> the map for sure. There's a system right now to know what map you're going to get. Uh, but uh, it would be nice to know ahead of time. One minute seems like a long time. But when it's under pressure and then the UI glitches or something like that, ah. I don't know if you know this, but Carl basically said each territory on each planet has a designated map. So if you're attacking the same territory, it's going to be the exact same map, just FYI. So I know some planets are all the same, but some have a combination of both of those. And then obviously more maps coming down the line, they'll be assigned. So that's actually one thing that could be useful if the attackers, defenders know know, what planet, what territory they're going to be defending. But I do have a question for you guys. And this is sort of a, a big discussion topic. Is 240 tons drop deck limit for both IS and Clan? Um, is this a good match for community warfare? Or, I mean, we don't really... I mean, 
I don't know. Let me ask you. Is it a good match there? I guess just simple and easy. Darren? Mm, I think from person to person that you ask, you're going to get a diff- different answer because somebody's going to be like, I want to hear well, your if answer. I just you, had five you, more tons, you, I you. could bring. I want to hear your answer. I, th- you. I think it's fine. I, I think it's it works right now. Do I think that something different could also work? Absolutely. Something different could work. Should it be different from planet to planet? Sure. Why not? All I can you know comment on is what I'm seeing. People want higher tonnage because they'll be able to bring another atlas or another king crab or something like that does that make it better i don't know we're going to see what it would be like you know live and in in game um i'm totally open to the idea of raising the minimum and raising the maximum decreasing the numbers and playing with it and seeing what we you know it's again to me this is the fun of community warfare is managing your drop decks and trying to figure out what works against who and when and why and so all this kind of stuff to me awesome try it let's try it and see what happens what about you tyler do you think uh 240 tons is okay we talked about this a little bit in the the lost we did the lost podcast but uh yeah it's 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 proved to be okay there's a bunch of different decks you can do most of the decks kind of been uh homogenized though it's either been for the inner sphere just drop uh like three thunderbolts and uh ember or something like that or a fire starter of your choice and clans, clans is a little more wiggle room, but because there's so many viable options between 55 and 75 tons, unlike the, the inner sphere. So, yeah, 240 is okay. And when you're thinking about the drop deck, and I'm sure PGI, when they chose 240, was thinking about it, not every player has uh, enough mechs to field. Some players exclusively take uh, or buy assault mechs, some exclusively buy light mechs. It's difficult to satisfy everyone, and 240 is a, is a pretty neutral zone. It would be interesting to see on certain worlds, however, uh, the drop deck tonnage go up or down just to kind of vary things up. If you want fast and uh, uh, light play, like lights and mediums, you'd have to lower the drop deck tonnage maximum. If you want to see more assault mechs on the field, raise it. It would be interesting as a, on a planet-by-planet basis. Now, before Brandon answers, I do want to bring up last podcast, the, the lost one again. Uh, I had mentioned something like a planet, planets having random drop decks. I no longer think that's a good idea because, number one, okay, so what happened when everybody had to basically prepare drop decks? You're talking a minimum of four mechs. And now I already have eight mechs that are prepared for community warfare. That means eight mechs that are all maxed as far as the pilot tree. You've got modules on all of them, which was freaking expensive. And so if you're doing random all the time, I don't know how many mechs you'd have to basically have on standby for community warfare in order to, you know, meet the different requirements. So I do like kind of knowing beforehand what the the different drop deck sizes might be. Shut up, ducks. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the whole random thing, I, I'm no longer a supporter of that because it would cost way too much money. Okay, so question, and Brandon, you could be the first one to answer it. Uh, so... 240 tons, you guys are okay with that. I guess my question to you would be, we saw and we see in public and, and solo drops how important it is to have uh, you know, build diversity and chassis diversity. I don't see that much with the clans. Now, granted, I understand that clan mechs, there aren't as many as IS. Is that something that you guys want? Like, is that something that you, you're seeing the players or in your personal experiences like that you know, you drop and all you see is nine S's. Well, that's not going to really change per se. Like, should there be any type of restrictions, Brandon? 
As restrictions as in what you're allowed to drop type of thing or or you know whether it's a four by one I, I don't know four by one or you can only you know is can only have two of every you know same variant i'm i'm just tossing around stuff because basically no matter what you do at the tonnage the clans right now have a very 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 strong lead because you reduce the tonnage they can still take storm crows which pretty much can punch the face of any is up until well actually they're they're one of the strongest mechs out there. I mean, you know, oh no, you dropped the tonnage. I just can't take a, that Timberwolf. Now I take four Stormcrows. I mean... Well, I mean, not really. Um, we all talk about wanting to put restrictions, that sort of thing in. Uh, I mean, all it's going to do is shift the meta, so you're just going to see the drop decks from the current, what we have currently will change, but everyone will still adopt the new next best slice of cake thing. Well, I mean, I, I get that. What I'm saying is, is it better for gameplay to have, like, for instance, your first drop, not everyone and their mother is all in Stormcrows or, or uh, 9Ss that, you know, you see a lot of variety. I mean, I guess that's what I'm asking you guys is, would you like to see more like of a... Like a forced progression type of thing? So, like, the first drop's always light and then... Light. Or maybe it's a mixture, so not everyone can take... You know, all he- you can't take heavy. So you're talking like a, a three, 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 three. Yeah, he's talking about yeah, yeah. Or or maybe it's mixed. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying is like right now, just sort of like everybody front loads and okay, we'll you know you see nine S's on both sides. Uh, yeah, you may see some random other stuff, but then I don't have a problem with that. And you know what? There's something community warfare is different than random battles. You know, solo queue or group queue. And I'm okay with, you know, facing 12, whatever, the same chassis. In, in fact, to me, it's kind of immersive. It's cool. It's I like seeing a bunch of the same mechs. You think that's Battletech, though? I mean, I don't. Mm, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, immersive from Battletech. There was yeah. no point in time in any of the novels. It was like the entire force showed up in there. The yeah, but there was no mechs. time where they're like, well, we already got a heavy mech, and so we, you can't bring your heavy mech. You know, there was never a time that happened either. I, I like, I don't. I don't, as far as all the issues of community warfare, this isn't one for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Darren. It, it's not really that big of a concern. Um, I'd say put something up on maybe like a test server or something like that and see how it goes uh, before implementing I'm not against, it type of thing. But Yeah, I'm, I'm not, just on the basic level, I'm not against restriction. I totally see where restriction can be a good thing um, to help diversify. But I just don't think that this... I totally agreed it was an issue in single queue and group queue but i just i don't think it's an issue here fair enough all right so another question i have for you guys 24 7 community warfare <laughs> is this a good thing darren from a business perspective from pgi i'm sure it is you know like i said uh there's people that have been coming and saying you know i've only been getting three or four hours of sleep a night uh it's crack it's it's addictive i mean people you know the people that are having the, the good experience which is you know, a lot of people I'm talking to are just loving it. And this is before there's even any introduction of, you know, benefits, whether that be MC or C bills or whatever from owning a planet right now, it's just, you get your tags on it or whatever, but every single night, you know, and because of the, the ceasefire window every night, my time around five o'clock PM or whatever until eight thirty PM, uh, everybody's, you know, smashing the planets and, and it's every single night. Uh, I think it's, I don't see 
Well, it's, again, it's it, how do you change it? How do you do something different? I think the idea of doing three windows, three ceasefire windows, eight hours apart that Russ suggested uh, that'll be coming later this month, uh, great idea. Um, that opens it up for Euros and people that can't, you know, play the American time zones or whatever. Um, and maybe it'll, I don't know. Do you want the people that are addicted to the game? Of course you do. So, you know, it's, it's a touchy issue. Uh, people need to get their sleep. Get more sleep is all I can say. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's yeah, it's, it'll require even more politics to spring up to coordinate efforts between uh, EU, NA, and Oceanic time zones to to try to keep your faction on its toes. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think, from my perspective, I'd have to stop, start caring a little bit less about community warfare. Well, right now, I've just been taking random uh, contracts wherever I can get them, but. Uh, it, it, it takes the power out of your hands. A lot of NA players, North American players, will not like it because they'll see planets that they fought all day for flipped at the last second. But that's what EU is experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. They've, they've fought planets up to 100% capture or down to 0%. They defended their planet. And then they wake up the next morning and they see that their planet is gone, that it was taken during North American time zones. So it's it's kind of selfish for the North Americans to want to keep that all to themselves. But... I, well, I understand both perspectives. Can can we break that? Let's let's actually break that down because uh, maybe someone on the outside doesn't really understand. You know, community warfare it's double edged sword because if you make it strictly in a time zone like it is right now, basically, um, that means anybody outside North America, they're going to have either they're going to have to wake up or it, realistically, it's it's impossible for them to be up at three four whatever on a regular basis on, yes. in, during the week but that's that's when these times are going right um same thing with anybody in asia or you know anything like that it's it basically puts but if you flip that and, and you make it any other way though then it puts the same thing in north america so i guess this is where i'm torn because what are solutions here other than if you have regional servers but then you'd split your ba- player base because and do you have population to be able to do that? I mean, is there a population in Europe enough to sustain a, you know, community warfare? Would taking those people out diminish? And so is what is the best solution here to where, okay, we live in North America. Our planet's under contest from European time zone. We're asleep or we're at work. We can't really do anything about it. I saw the same issues in, in EVE Online, which was basically faction well it was time zone warfare and but at least this would give every time zone an opportunity to own a planet now again we're talking pre you know bonuses for owning planets there's there's nothing beyond tags right now so once those whatever advantages of owning planets are in game then we'll see how that works um i i think the only because of the current population of the game i don't think you can do different servers yet um, hopefully that'll be something that'll be different post steam or, or later in the year or whatever. But um, I think really you have to have two or three ceasefires, and that's the only way to do it currently. Um, but I will tell How you also with the ceasefires have to be though they're they're an hour it's or whatever the amount of time is half hour or whatever. It's so it's every eight hours there's a ceasefire, and at that point planets change hands. Um, but I will say also going back on the twenty four seven thing, the people that are going to be taking the biggest hit from twenty four seven community warfare is unit leaders and especially drop leaders, uh, drop callers. It is it is going to take a toll on these people because they are dependent on every single day, every day, seven days a week. If you don't show up, 
you're losing something probably. And so these people are the ones that I'm telling you need to get your sleep. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just think that the current situation, that's the only thing we can do is two or three ceasefires. And, well, let and me ask you, no other what, what does World of Tanks do? Like when, because don't they have time frames like from they have 7 p.m. Eastern? Uh, what I'm saying is, but when are, when are there clan battles or faction warfare? Kick you it's not you schedule them. No, it's not 24-7. It is during the evening, though, my time, typically. And, and you, you schedule. It's very different from this. You can't really. It's apples and oranges. Okay. Several people have already suggested it. And it's that to, to keep a 24-hour open, it might be better to move to a system where you track wins and losses and then percentages of wins and losses and have auto wins way less against that. So so you could have your your uh, what you contributed during EU or Oceanic Time Zones contribute uh, to the final flip of the planet at the end of the day in North America. What do you guys think about that? Having auto wins way less but then having it tracked all day instead of there being a maximum of 15 uh, mm-hmm. territories. Well, uh, Darren, I was talking to you about this, is um, should numbers count, right? Should the fact of uh, you have a faction that... Population, you mean? Yeah, population and numbers, because, like, for instance, if you take SJR, for example, I remember, you know, um, you guys could be winning every single match, but you're just being outnumbered in the grand scheme of things. Should that matter? I mean... And I think it should, shouldn't it? I mean, yeah, I have a hard time finding an argument that says numbers shouldn't matter. Population should matter. Now, that can be balanced so that, you know, population is spreading out more evenly. But I think population should matter in, a, you know, this kind of game. What if uh, you take a mech and in community warfare, you, you defend or you attack and that mech is destroyed? You can't use that mech again on that particular, like, planet. Not elsewhere but just plan and i know i think someone was throwing around that idea i mean i guess it's just one of those things where skilled players and teams want to want them their actions to feel like they count more right it, tyler is that where you're sort of going with is the fact that we win and we're winning a lot but it's not being counted really in the grand scheme of things as much well, I didn't bring that up for, for my personal benefits. I was just bringing that up as a possibility of a way to track uh, the attack defense tug of war, so to speak, on a planet. No, numbers still could matter. I, I, the auto wins happen. Basically, where the numbers come in is you have so many more attackers or defenders on a planet than the enemy, and every 10 minutes you get an auto win, basically. But uh, to have those way less would be nice because it's not really an actual fight going on there. I guess you're still destroying the objective because it drops you in for some reason uh, against just the turrets. But yeah, if those weighed less and it was tracked as percentage of victory and then, yeah, somebody brought up in chat that, yeah, a minimum number of wins would probably be necessary just so you can't win like one win and you're like on a planet for the whole day and be like, yeah, we won 100% of the games with our one win. Yeah, have like a minimum of ten wins necessary for a faction, and then have to, yeah, whatever. But that would that would be able that would bring everyone in instead of having to do three separate time zones, which will be moving planets. Your planets will be trading hands every eight hours. It might be better that at the end of the day, everything is tracked. I was just gonna say, I look at units like SJR and Lords or whatever, and I kind of think of them as small elite units. Yes, they they're better than ninety five or more percent of the people out there. Um, but how much? work can like real world can an elite unit do they can do very small specialized things but they can't necessarily take over a country or whatever right so i think there needs to be a role for small elite units and a role for 
uh, factions that have large populations. I think everybody needs to be able to feel like what they're doing matters. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do that. Well, I, I think that comes down to just sort of the, the game design in general. Yep. Uh, and um, why should SGR play like in Community Warfare? And you guys are actually struggling with that right now is you guys were designed for a comp team, right? But a lot of these drops that you guys are dropping in aren't even close to being competitive they're you know they're just you you're just there to make c bills and get some kills basically that that's what's happening right now but is what should be the purpose of a small unit or multiple units or big units like what is it other than just a monetary or or loyalty points um you know there has to be depth to community warfare to to attract some of these units and actually give a purpose of well why are we actually defending um you know Russell hog or why are we you know trying to you know kick a clan off this planet or that i mean right now some of these units it's you know and and obviously this is the first iteration so you know we're talking about this and and obviously there will be things coming down the, the line that you know give depth but there has to be something there tangible and and not just oh well you get more c bills and oil points because to me that's that's just not enough well i think the tangible thing would be ownership of a planet meaning something like i said already a couple times beyond it just tags uh, if you start but, making, but what does that mean? Like resources? Like it could be anything. It could be you know discounts on certain max because they're built on that planet. It could be just straight up C bills. It could be just straight up MC. Anything to where you owning that for say a phase, you know, from ceasefire to ceasefire, everybody in the unit gets A, you know, or B or whatever. So I think it, it will things will change. Just community warfare is going to gradually shift you know we're dealing with where it's at today and in a month from now the the changes that are coming in like faction grouping and ceasefire every hours or whatever things are going to shift gradually and then after we see what the result is it's going to shift again you know every month that goes by we're going to see more and more added more depth and uh to me just a, a much better thing all right so i got some questions for you about maps guys what feedback do you have on the two maps we have so far like what what have they done to your gameplay are we talking the two community warfare maps compared to yeah the maps how they that we play had out prior different. or yeah. okay uh, definitely playing a lot more range game um, more so boreal it seems to be what I drop mainly on we don't drop on sulfur a whole lot um, so boreal definitely has made me go to more range builds and laser vomit more so than anything else so I guess that's what changed up for me where I used to play more brawly. Uh, SRM builds, um, switching over to laser vomit, um, long range game. Is there issues do you see with the maps as being attacker defenders, and what would be those issues that you see, Tyler? On Sulfur, it's much more difficult to be a defender because you can't see your opponents coming, really. You need to scout up the lanes in order to get sufficient early warning, especially if there's a light rush coming, to, to get things in place. So I'd say the the, while the the defender sure has turrets, the attacker can get up closer to the to the base with less hassle on sulfur. Um, and but on boreal vault, the defender can literally from their spawn watch the enemy team spawn and know exactly what they have. You don't even have to move; you can just look. So yeah, yeah. My, my, I like boreal vault much more. It's a lot more straightforward. You get to the action much more quickly. Sulfur. If you're an assault mech, you can spend literally five minutes walking to the enemy base. Uh, 
I I like I like both ways. What was the? I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> well, basically, you know, maps. Uh, w- would you suggest any changes, like one or two changes, um, on both of them? Uh, okay, on sulfur, uh, I think that between if you're from the attacker's perspective, the the left and center lanes need a path between them from further up in the middle of the map, just like the right and mid have a path going between. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. I think that needs to be done. It looks like it could. It's like. It was almost there, but then they like raised the mountain up. It looked like there at once may have been a path, then they changed it. So that uh, that needs to be changed a little bit. And then on uh, Boreal Vault, there probably needs to be a little more cover for the attackers on their way up to the gates. Things now, that they can get behind. One of the things that changed really quickly after Community Warfare came out was the addition of the three uh, generators. Um, there's been some talk still because of light rushes of adding a turret or two to those generators. What do you guys think about that? I'm not an overly big fan of that suggestion. Um, right now the turrets, on a light rush alone, the turrets do a lot of damage if you're able to defend properly to begin with now. Because usually, if, if if you're an organized group and you're defending against a light rush, you should be able to stop them pretty early on if you're able to see them and the turrets do uh, actually quite a bit of damage to light mech's legs um, when they're running in there so adding more turrets I mean you're I can see it as a deterrent to light rushes but light rushes are something you're supposed to account for and is part of the game and part of strategy so I'm not an over, overly big fan of trying to nerf a strategy if someone if another team can't compensate for a counter-attack or a counter-strategy. Gotcha. Some people are saying turrets don't matter or they won't do anything. I like uh, Ollie Mag's suggestion. We need minefields. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Laying a minefield in front of the generators. Well, I feel like, um, you know, Tyler said it is on uh, Vault, you know, cover, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, those... Well, they're two very different maps. How much do you want to make them alike? Well... Well, Vault is long and skinny, I mean, when it comes to it. And you only have two lanes in and out. And I feel like, um, you know, on the flip side, Sulfur is so big that basically it says if you are going to take assaults, uh, the defenders need to scout. Now, I will say there there are some things defenders need to do on Sulfur. Um, when I was dropping with Ed, he was out running scouting. Like, me and him were just dropping doing two-man groups. And he was outside the, the lane scouting. So we knew, okay, they're not going alpha or beta. They're going gamma. So we are able to set up. I don't know how many times I've dropped and no one fucking scouts at all. So, you know, there is a, a place to be set about how much is it it actually maps or is it, you know, some of it players, just yeah. players. It, it does fall. But I will say um, it would be awesome to see a little bit more dynamic uh, to the maps. And, um, you know, like people are the gates and it just becomes sort of stagnant sometimes the battles go on and the attackers aren't taking down the gates on purpose because they can just snipe or whatever anyways it's it's always been interesting someone <laughs> made the idea of you should let the defenders be able to open the gates if they want uh and yeah. <laughs> yes please we have a remote control well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you sure. they're closed, you should be able to open them. Um, yeah, we've so. and Steel Jag has had the experience of literally being trapped inside of our own base because our opponents won't even engage us. 
that happened several times with people just trying to delay us. We would want to go outside of our base and kill them. Well, should we, we make we it so that actually get out? Should we just make it so generators can take friendly fire? Yeah, or maybe like I don't know. I don't know if they could do it. Somebody takes company command, then they get a, a hotkey yeah. that can open and close gates. But as long as somebody's not trolling, I guess that would be shitty. So, anyways, there's lots of things, and um, I think uh, you know Paul is going to be doing some updates as far as uh, community warfare. But the cool thing is, I will say, is started, and I think it it floored a lot of people. One, it came out, and I know that Darren, you you mentioned, shut up a lot of the the haters. You know, <laughs> where's community warfare? But also, you know, hey, it, it took a long ass time, but it's finally here. It came out. The leopard, like I said, uh, dropships. I think what some of this does is it just gives you another glimpse of you know the the possibilities out there what happens when we have ai or you know possibilities ai down the road of infantry or tanks or anything like that i mean different drop ships or you know i mean there's so much going on that uh, i think it just our imaginations can run a little bit wild so uh just just be aware i know it sort of sucked uh you know it came out and then there was this like nothing going on for almost two and a half three weeks and even you know russ said you know hey it's the holiday and new year's and you know we just got back to the office so you know give us a little bit of time but um 2015 expectations and look ahead faction grouping january 20th patch um three times ceasefire window every eight hours stuff like that new canyon network based map hopefully february 3rd and then the resistance pack so we got a lot of stuff not to mention um urban mech i mean wasn't that basically ho, ho, ho. Yeah, Urban Mech's been teased. Uh, we don't really know what the next clan mechs are going to be. Um, we know Enforcer, Grasshopper, Panther, and Zeus. Um, Quirk Pass 2, by the way, hasn't even been fully implemented. I think it was like, I don't even want to say like 20% of the mechs only got Pass 2 in. Uh, the rest haven't even been implemented. So Orions and Cataphracts and, you know, you name it, that needed overhauled in Quirk-wise. Those, those were done. They just haven't been in yet. Um, so lots of stuff. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys looking forward to the most? I guess, or what would you like to see the most in 2015, Brandon? Free for all Solaris game mode. Well, to, to speak on that real quick, Paul did say he's working on basically Solaris. So I'm sure it's not his prime number one priority right now, but it's being worked on. So I'm excited about that. Oh yeah, definitely. Anything that I can maybe solo drop in and face off, square off against, uh, I don't know, 11 other people in a small circular square arena that's relatively flat and just go at it. I mean, I'd be, I think that'd be a ton of fun. What I'm I, looking forward to in 2015, I'm super glad all the main pillars or whatever, the goals have been accomplished. The, the, the final one being community warfare. To me, 2015 is about taking a great game and making it epic it's just gonna you know everything whether it's you know updating the old geometry of the mechs that need it whether it's polishing maps and you know cleaning up the invisible walls whether it's you know new this or that uh building on community warfare um adding ai you know there's so many things to me 2015 is just going to be all about making something great even better what about you tyler uh i'm gonna have to speak on behalf of the competitive community that's probably some kind of game tracked leaderboard or more competitive system uh that's implemented in the game the pgi tracks would be nice i think i'm gonna agree with uh, darren here i'm looking toward uh forward to the polish i think that's basically what it comes down to art i'm a huge art fan i want 
performance to be better. I want uh, River City to not look, you know, horrible because of the LODs and the buildings change and all that. All that type of thing really hasn't gone back. I would say the art team engineering has gone forward, right? All this, I want UI to be improved. I think uh, Russ even said, you know, something about Steam and before they go there, new player experience has to be improved. So I think there's a lot of goals uh, that they can set. And it'll be interesting. Obviously, we'll be sitting down with, uh, you know, Russ in the not-so-distant future, doing another town hall. Um, and hopefully we can do, a, you know, another Mech Devs and Beer, sit down with Paul, get a little bit uh, first-hand experience, maybe some of the other uh, designers and artists and stuff like that. But uh, really, I guess, just getting in depth with uh, Community Warfare, seeing how that turns out. And uh, the one thing I will say is I, I actually like the fact that they're not following lore per se they're letting the players determine what happens and uh, i know some battletech fans were a little bit upset but that's that's the you know reality of it is you know you're having a player ran community warfare so very very awesome yeah and i do want to uh to really quickly touch on what um tyler was saying as far as a, a leaderboard absolutely i 100 percent agree with that i would love to see a pgi impl- implemented leaderboard um but if it doesn't come before this i think solaris would be the the, a great place to roll that out to even if it was the first implementation and then it you know went on beyond that to to the game entirely but um i'm really hoping solaris is something where the comp teams the smaller comp teams um can really shine and and kick ass and brag and all that stuff speaking of which uh you know russ had talked about possible uh group and uh well group queue changes that's also another thing is player behavior could easily be changed if you made a uh, group queue uh, as far as comp side, you know, tracking top, you know, four man groups in public, you know, group queue. Just that alone, I know a lot of comp teams would take that, you know, wager and try to get their name up there and all that fun stuff. So, yep, yep. All right, some quick mentions for you guys. Uh, quick shout out to, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name, uh, Zadum. 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 Um, he posted this over at the uh, NGNG forums. It's a community warfare map. He's been working the API. And there's actually a few other people, so I'm sorry I don't have your names, um, but I do know there's a few people that are doing this, implementing, creating their own tools, uh, you know, or, yeah, tools based off the tools. But API, we need more API. So PGI, listening. Actually, we should just pester them. We will. Yeah, yeah we will. We need more, more and more. Quick shout out to uh, Black Phoenix Zero One over at the official forums. Don't know if you guys have seen this uh, unit insignia art he's been posting. Flipping phenomenal. It really reminds me of Hayden, Mark Hayden, that he used to do. And I know mm-hmm. Mark's still post up there, but I love seeing this kind of stuff. It's just, it looks phenomenal. And a huge shout out to Timothy Seals. Um, I've been playing his A New Dawn, the cover edition. He really sees on SoundCloud. He also has a YouTube link with all of them put together so you can listen for like over an hour i think it's flipping amazing um just nostalgia all over again i yeah i've just been listening to him all the time and uh of course he does have the uh bread for war extended play up on the ngng store it's four tracks uh you guys can check that out if you want to help support him in ngng and uh it's it's uh, he's going to be working on a new album a complete whole album and uh, just stay tuned. News about that coming. Merc News Radio. Quick shout out to them. They will be featured on the NGNG podcast from here on out. So if you're listening to this, you probably already heard them. And of course, we have the Timberwolf gear is in our store. Hoodies and t-shirts and coffee mugs. Hoodies are running out like really, really quick. We only had a few handful in stock of both the Crusader and Warden. 
Um, but we still got plenty of t-shirts around, so if you'd like one of those or multiples, make sure to check out our store before they're gone. I have a feeling that we're going to be doing a rerun of that because oh yeah. yeah. But we should we tease should we tease them with the next t-shirt? Yeah, just say one of the mechs. the one that's being yeah, one the, of them. The, yeah. Should we should we? Yeah, the just one go ahead and doing? say it. Yes. Do you want to say it, or do you want me nope, to say it? No, all yours. Are you sure? This is cruelty against mech warriors, <laughs> I'm just saying. So we are working with Shimmering Sword on the next t-shirt design. <clears throat> Shadow Cat. I hate Shadow it. Cat. It's the worst. It's not even in game, but what a cool freaking mech. And I've seen probably in the last two weeks so many threads pop up about wanting the Shadow Cat in game. So what we're trying to do is positive energy. We're sending yeah. it to PGI. Positive energy. Shadow Cat. If you wear it, they Good will vibes. build it. Yeah. Anyways, yes. uh, so uh, Shimmer and Sword is going to be doing that. Stay tuned. Um, probably uh, at the end of the month or something, we'll have a pre-order up with images and all that fun stuff. But uh, I just want to say a big thank you to our community, our listeners, new and old, for 2014. You guys are flipping amazing. All of our staff members, all of our streamers, everyone that's been involved with NGNG and or the community, thank you so much for being awesome and great people. 2014 was a big change from 2013, and I just look forward to 2015 for that community movement. So uh, thank you, and uh, you guys are awesome. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast signing off for tonight. This is Phil. And this is Darren. This is Brandon, also known as Catrick Kell. And this is Ty. Lur. Until next time, MechWarriors. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube at No Guts No Galaxy TV, on Twitch at NGNG TV, on Facebook at No Guts No Galaxy Podcast, on Twitter at No Guts No Galaxy, on iTunes at No Guts No Galaxy, or via your favorite podcatcher with the RSS feed at feeds.feedburner.com forward slash NGNG.